You can't efficiency your way to zero. You can maybe make a 20, 30, 40% reduction in overall consumption at the property, but then no matter what, to get yourself to net zero carbon, you have to address where you're procuring your electricity from. Welcome to Brookfield Perspectives, a podcast from Brookfield that explores how the firm is investing in the backbone of the global economy. I'm Lauren Steffi, and I've been writing about energy and investing for the better part of three decades. I'll be your guide as we meet the business leaders at one of the world's largest alternative asset managers. In our first season, we're taking a deep dive into Brookfield's mission to power the global transition to net zero carbon emissions. For a look at the big picture and why addressing climate change is so important, check out our first episode, which features a conversation with Brookfield's Mark Carney, a vice chair of Brookfield Asset Management and head of transition investing, and Connor Teske, managing partner, head of Brookfield's Renewable Power and Transition Group, and chief executive officer of Brookfield Renewable Partners. Today, we're talking about green development. Commercial real estate can have a huge carbon footprint, but it doesn't have to. Brookfield's Manhattan West, a new eight-acre mixed-use development in the Midtown West neighborhood of New York City, is a model for building green, 100% renewable developments from the ground up. One of the key elements that enabled Manhattan West to be 100% renewable is a power purchasing agreement, or PPA. One Manhattan West, the 67-story office tower within the Manhattan West development, runs on hydropower generated in New York State based on a five-year agreement between Brookfield Renewable and Brookfield Properties. To learn more about how this works and how commercial tenants can lower their emissions, I'm joined by Brookfield's own Michael Daschle, the Senior Vice President of Brookfield Properties, and Stephen Gallagher, the Chief Commercial Officer for Brookfield Renewable. Michael, start out by telling us uh, who you are and what you do at Brookfield. I'm Michael Daschle. I'm SVP of Sustainability for Brookfield Properties in our New York City office. Here in New York, I manage our ESG strategy for the 27 office properties here, roughly 30 million square feet. Across the U.S., I manage our renewable energy procurement strategy for approximately 100 office properties, about 70 million square feet. And Stephen, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do there. Hi, Lauren. My name is Stephen Gallagher. I'm the Chief Commercial Officer for Brookfield Renewables U.S. Operations. I've been with Brookfield since 2017, joining Brookfield in our renewable headquarters in Europe, in Ireland, before getting a chance to come over to the US in 2019. I manage all the commercial contracting and power marketing act- activities for our operating fleet here and for our new build development projects. I wanted to start out by talking about Manhattan West. It's 100% renewable development. Tell us a little bit about how the vision for that came to be. One Manhattan West is kind of the flagship office property of the site. And we wanted to find ways to enhance its sustainability credentials. And coincidentally, around this time, Brookfield Asset Management also made its commitment to the Net Zero Asset Managers Initiative, in which it committed to be net zero carbon by 2050. So we thought this would be an excellent opportunity to not only support that decarbonization effort, but really highlight this as one of the most sustainable office properties in New York City. It's interesting. You mentioned that it wasn't initially designed for renewables. What kind of challenges did you face in adapting this property to accommodate renewables? So this is our first building in New York City to be renewably powered. So the first challenge was just 
educating ourselves about the options available and what that meant for cost and the corresponding quality of the environmental claim we could achieve. I'd say the second challenge was just ensuring that the tenants were supportive and understood what we wanted to achieve by doing this renewable energy purchase. So we took a very direct personal approach to each tenant's leadership and sustainability teams to explain how renewable power purchase would help them achieve their own emissions reductions targets and ESG goals and highlight the sustainability aspects of the property. Stephen, let me bring you in here. Talk a little bit about power purchase agreements and why they're important, how they work in this case, why they were important for the tenants in this situation. Thanks, Lauren. In the basic sense, a power purchase agreement, it's a long-term electricity supply agreement between the power producer, in our case, Brookfield Renewable, and the customer, in this case, Brookfield Properties. For us, it's a renewable, we call a renewable PPA, in which, again, the customer agrees to purchase for a defined period of time the electricity, but also the renewable attributes from one of our facilities. We call them RECs. So RECs are renewable energy credits, so they're effectively the renewable attributes produced by a facility, whether it's hydro, wind, or solar. One REC is equivalent to one megawatt hour. In the example of One Manhattan West, we are producing One Manhattan West as a load, and we are producing, generating that electricity from our facilities. And for every megawatt hour, there is a REC produced, which is then retired on behalf of the customer. So it allows you to make a robust claim on your renewable building. This can be done off both existing or new build projects. For One Manhattan West, as part of a competitive process that was run, we had a unique offering in terms of pairing the building load or with our in-state local renewable hydro. We're delivering renewable power directly from our upstate hydros to one Manhattan West. It provides a customer really with price and volume certainty or for renewable power over a period of time. So basically, customers have a menu of options that they can choose from or that they can look at in this process? There's various stages in between from contracting new build renewables and for longer terms, but that's kind of, we'll call it both sides of the goalpost. Yeah, we allude to it as the 50 shades of green. We are looking to provide solutions specific to a customer's needs. We understand that every customer won't become zero carbon overnight. It's a transition. Our piece is to go where the emissions are. A building owner in New York has a choice to start on the, we call it the left side of the spectrum for it to make a renewable claim would be just to purchase what they call unbundled wrecks. What does that mean? It means for my building during the year, I'm consuming power from the grid. And at the end of the year, I've consumed 20,000 megawatt hours. And I go out into the market and look to purchase renewable energy credits, RECs from, for example, a wind farm in Texas for 20,000 megawatt hours. From a technical perspective, that is a renewable building. And you move through various stages to what we call the 24-7 gold standard product, which is the choice that Brookfield Properties went down. And that again is is a renewable supply for 24-7 for every hour of your consumption from an in-state asset, from a local renewable asset. So we're matching megawatt for megawatt, hour by hour, the consumption by the building to the electricity produced 
by our renewable facility. On a recent fall day, Michael took us on a tour of the Manhattan West development. He met my producers in the lobby of One Manhattan West. It's an elegant, airy space with high ceilings, stone floors, and white marble walls. We actually capture and recycle the rainwater. So there's a um, collection tank that holds up to like 98,000 gallons of rainwater. So just like we capture it and reuse it throughout the site for irrigation. So that drastically reduces the amount of water we need to use on site. There are even beehives on site as part of Brookfield's biodiversity efforts. So we actually had these very sophisticated bee planters come in and walk the site with us and be able to position the hives so that the bees have a very favorable flight route in and out and don't disturb anybody. But we use the honey as a kind of distinct local amenity that we can offer to the tenants and then we also can produce chapstick and candles and everything that are kind of locally branded from our bees here. But we literally have I think, hundreds of thousands of bees coming in and out of the site every day. So supporting the local pollinators. Back in the studio, I asked him about his favorite part of the property. I just love that this development has everything on site. I mean, it's got innovative design. It's a perfect location in between one of the nation's busiest transit hubs and one of the most beautiful park-like settings with the High Line in the west side of Manhattan along the riverfront. It's got a beautiful outdoor public plaza that gets activated all the time for the people who visit. It's got a huge mix of shops and restaurants, you know, sustainably operated, of course. Amenities, the mix of uses, really that it does have a little bit of everything. Given that this is such a unique property, what lessons does it offer for other renewable developments? Yes, I think it's important to realize that the market has fundamentally shifted in terms of our customers' appetite to bear a portion of the costs of renewably powering a building. So we've seen recently in the leasing market that tenants are now requiring at least an option for the building to be renewably powered during their tenancy to help them achieve their own carbon reduction goals. And by purchasing for the building, we can do so more effectively than one-off unbundled purchases a tenant might pursue on their own. We've also seen that investors appreciate the fact that having an entire building in their portfolio renewably powered offers an investor a way to make a great return while doing so without increasing the carbon emissions footprint of their investment portfolio. Okay, let's talk about some other projects that Brookfield has going on. Stephen, Brookfield Renewables is partnering with J.P. Morgan Chase, again, using PPAs to supply hydropower to more than 90% of their New York operations. Tell us a little bit about how that came to be. How did you work with them and how did that process unfold? JP Morgan were looking for renewable power for their New York State location. So over 500 locations. Again, similar to properties, they ran a competitive process of which we were successful. And again, it's the same structure we're using for One Manhattan West. We're delivering renewable electricity from our in-state hydro fleet. It advances their commitment to source renewable energy for 100% of their global power needs. For us, the collaboration was our first with a large property owner in New York City. It plays an important role in, again, promoting those renewable practices among property owners in the city. I believe the project involved a startup called ClearTrace. And Michael, I know they were also involved in Manhattan West. Talk a little bit about that partnership, what they do, and how it came together. ClearTrace is a blockchain-based carbon accounting platform that measures the output of the hydropower plants generating renewable power for our building in real time. 
matches that output hour for hour against the electricity consumption of the building via data feeds from the building itself. And then that data, along with hourly data about the energy mix of the grid, other information about the generating sources, the grid mix at the time, allows for very precise carbon emissions impact data that is then recorded on the public ledger and blockchain to serve as an immutable, auditable record of our renewable power use. We can share this information with tenants. We can also enable you know, investors who are interested in seeing this to be able to prove our claim, especially from the tenant perspective. You know, this allows them to see in much more clarity from anywhere else that they've been able to get this information, the impact on the carbon emissions attributable to their own electricity usage of the property and to assist in their own tracking and reporting. You can use the purchase that we just did on behalf of the building to directly illustrate that this is in-state hydropower that flows 24-7 and you have precise measurements to back it up. Even explaining how that works to the tenants, some of them were saying, yeah, but how are we actually using renewable electricity? I mean, how does, the, does that make it down? And we had to explain the fundamentals of the grid and how this works and how electrons flow through from generation to what we call the load sink or the actual building. But in the end, all of them saw the value in adding this to the property in its support for their own sustainability goals and emissions reduction targets. But all of these, there is that piece of initial education. And we sat with Mike and a number of the tenants and just went through the very basics of from how does electron or hydro to the building, the meters, the clear trays product. And again, I don't think anyone was ever, from my perspective, skeptical. We had, to Mike's point, people who just thought it was cool. I remember one call, all the customers wanted to know if we could get big screens with pictures of the hydros generating by the hour. Again, given the caliber of the tenant in the building, the ESG goals they had themselves and, and their sustainability goals, I think there was the buy-in there from the start. Does the sort of word of mouth come into play here? Are other companies hearing about this and saying, hey, we want to get in on that. We're looking for green energy solutions. Or is this something that every time you kind of have to start over and convince people that this works? One Manhattan West is an exceptional building. It's a flagship development in New York. Business bequeaths business. So we have had a number of follow-on conversations. There's opportunities we're looking at with properties, but also with other building owners in New York City. And also further afield, demand for renewable power, and again, the broader movement towards the net zero economy is extremely strong. Michael, can you talk a little bit about what some of the other projects you're looking at in New York and across the Brookfield portfolio that might be suitable for this type of project? Yeah, so this was our pilot project, and it was such a success that we definitely look to replicate this strategy across the portfolio. Talk a little bit about the future of these types of agreements and what needs to happen in order for them to be embraced more broadly. Maybe I'll let Mike speak to the property owner side of it, but just I'll say more broadly, the power purchase agreement or the supply of renewable power is well established in the market among, we call it large corporate buyers. I lay out the tech companies who've kind of led the ways the Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Meta is well ingrained. The demand is there on the customer side. And now we have, again, the supply side catching up. Yeah, I think what's interesting in general, especially these large property owners are starting to make their own net zero commitments. 
there's this hierarchy of approaches at the property where they're saying, okay, well, we're going to reduce our consumption. We'll focus on energy conservation, energy efficiency projects, really try to use less, be more efficient. And that is absolutely the right starting point. But I've heard it another way where you can't efficiency your way to zero. You can maybe make a 20, 30, 40% reduction in overall consumption at the property. But then no matter what, to get yourself to net zero carbon, you have to address where you're procuring your electricity from. And the quality of the claim that you can make by sourcing your electricity from a renewable generation source varies widely. And so I think the more that real estate owners want to differentiate themselves in the market and the more that they realize that they can make outsized impact on their net zero journey through procurement, the more we'll start really, really taking on these types of strategies. It is going to come to a point where and we're seeing it where the tenants demand it again is driven by your own tenants and your customers who themselves have their ESG mandates and goals. When they're looking for premium office space, they expect it to come with all the bells and whistles and all the ancillary services, including being a fully renewable building like one Manhattan West is. So we're seeing that more and more. We're talking to, as I said, customers on the utility sites so or the large scale developments. Those same customers are tenants and take office space, warehousing space, etc. It's a very beneficial wave that we're moving towards. What about from a regulatory standpoint? Have we seen a lot of regulators getting on board with this? Does regulation have a role here? Definitely. Again, certain states have mandates in place in terms of renewable power, renewable supply by various states and percentages of your supply coming from renewable, which drives the demand. There's also, again, the voluntary side of it, which is just customers, their own ESG mandates. But more broadly, with the passing of the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act encourages more new build development and more supply to come forward, which again provides customers with options to meet their needs. I think overall, there's definitely a big regulatory and policy push, which we're looking to meet. Now, to add to that from the emerging perspective of what's going to be required with the SEC reporting that's proposed right now, it'll be increasingly important for customers who are disclosing the source of their emissions to be very, very clear about how they bought it, where they bought it from, how it relates to the coverage of their overall portfolio, the net amount of emissions that's driven by their operations. And so I think that clarity is not only going to be required from investors, but the government is going to increasingly step in there and regulate and standardize how people report on that. Yeah, and that's a very important point you made. And again, that comes back to the application of ClearTrace here. It's trying to remove the opaqueness and substantiate the claim it to be fully traceable, auditable. So again, it's coming through the SEC. It's going to be mandated. And it's on the spectrum of the 50 shades of green. You can be in different places and make a renewable claim. But again, you need to be able to clearly delineate and substantiate it. And I think that's an important driver in the market today. As we look forward, if you look five, 10 years down the road, how common are these types of agreements going to be? How are they going to evolve and what kind of a role are they going to play in the future in terms of tenant relationships and whatnot? I think as these tenants become more and more sophisticated and as they realize that they're going to have to 
take very measured steps towards achieving their own net zero targets, that this is going to be a service they expect of class A property owners and managers. Just like they're going to want to step into a building that has complete connection to the networks and robust infrastructure, they're going to expect that it's going to be renewably powered so that they don't have to worry themselves about addressing the emissions portfolio or the emissions aspect of their office occupancy. And I think as the market becomes more educated about it, the quality of the claim will become increasingly important as well. And so if you look out in the market, you know, Google is publishing white papers on the value of 24-7 carbon-free energy, and they're very much leading the broader market in that aspect. And I think Brookfield is leading within commercial real estate in terms of how you procure 24-7 carbon-free energy for large office portfolios. But this has taken on a whole new realm where it needs to be a very sustainable environment in ways that are provable in real time. This has just taken a much, much more prominent role in the characteristics that become in high demand. As we're talking through it, I'm reminiscing over some of the customer conversations that we had had. And again, it came down even to the fact that it's not just got the amenities, but again, being proud of the fact that it is a renewable office. Their employees are demanding this. Yeah, I think the question is, how critical is this going to be for tenants uh, going forward? Is this something that's going to matter to them as much as other trends have in the past? How does this stack up with that? It has actually become a filtering criteria. We've had tenants who have entered the market searching for space, and they won't look at space that is not renewably powered or does not have a path to become renewably powered because they realize how important it is for their own corporate goals. And from my perspective, stepping out just out of the property side, again, talking to large corporate customers, it is a filtering criteria when they look for new sites, new locations, along with access to educated workforce, cost of land, logistics. It is, can we get affordable, reliable, renewable power to the facilities? Because depending on who they are, whether it's a data center company or a manufacturing facility, for that manufacturer, their end-use customers are looking for a green product. I think it's so interesting that 18 months ago, my role didn't even exist. Before this, for the previous maybe five years, I was on the asset management side. And properties and asset managers primary responsibility is to preserve and add value over time to a specific property. So I paid very close attention to the drivers that would increase the attractiveness to the property, things that would make tenants want to stay, enhance the experience of being at the property, lower the overall cost of operating at the property, make it really stand out in the market. So when this opportunity came to focus on ESG and energy and sustainability more specifically, it was a great opportunity to go in a very emerging direction with a new way to add value to properties. And now this has taken on an even larger scale. And it's great to be able to do something where I know I'm continuing to add value to properties and at the same time do something that is of global importance to so many people. And to be able to be positioned within a company like Brookfield that has within its organization the means to not only increase the demand for renewable power, but work with a sister company to source it and learn more about the market. And so this is just an incredible opportunity. As you were going through, I was thinking, I actually started my career a while ago now on the investment banking site covering oil, gas, and mining companies. 
So I've kind of transitioned to full 180 as we're pushing this market and, and the speed at which the market is evolving and changing. Just for me, it's intellectually challenging, very interesting. It's something that you get to be passionate about. We're getting to do very interesting, cool things, work with very broad base of customers from very sophisticated leading edge buyers to people just starting out just right on how do I even come up with my ESG plan or my renewable plan? Please help. Once so you're getting to do all aspects from global multi-billion dollar tech companies to smaller local companies and everything in between. So no two days are the same. We're building out a model. We're working with properties that we can replicate across the broader properties portfolio. And Mike is bringing other property owners to one Manhattan West, showing them what can be done. So everyone's showing each other best practices and moving as fast as we can. There's a stat that Mark Carney had, which I thought was just phenomenal to meet the net zero targets that I think collectively have been laid out by the major governments and across the globe by 2050. I think it's $150 trillion of investment. So just the sheer quantum of what, like when you break that down to the multiples of how many one Manhattan Wests you need to do in large renewable projects across all technologies, wind, solar, hydro, storage, battery, green power, or green hydrogen, nuclear, carbon capture, renewable natural gas. Every part of that aspect will be part of the solution and we get to do it every day. That's it for today's episode. Thanks to Michael and Stephen for sharing their expertise. Next week, we'll be discussing the challenge of industrial decarbonization, lightening the load for heavy industries, and its impact on the green movement. Audiation.